Do I sound awful? Yeah. Are my takes awful? Maybe. But the Florida Gators are not awful. Billy Napier is 1-0 as a Power 5 head coach. We're going to talk about it here on Locked on Gators. You are Locked on Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Happy Monday. It's a victory Monday. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find my written work with Whole Nine Sports. Um, before even getting into today's content, I'll, I'll thank everybody in the third segment. I want to talk about this experience in Gainesville. It was amazing. But if you're one of the few people I took a picture with, DM it to me on Twitter or the Locked On Gators Instagram page. Um, also, I want to get to like 2,500 subscribers, 2,500 subscribers on YouTube within the next like two weeks if we could do that. So I need another 150. So you subscribe, tell your friends. But now we're talking about week one, Billy Napier's head coaching debut at the University of Florida. Anthony Richardson's full-time starting quarterback debut at the University of Florida. And we're going to start with Anthony Richardson because obviously we're going to do that. Look, Anthony Richardson did a good enough job to win this game. He did. He, He did a good enough job to win this game. And you couldn't have asked a ton more from him. However, he did struggle with some passes, some inaccuracy issues. We can work around those. Primarily, most of the issues that he had were leading receivers too much. He made some mental errors, yes. But most of the issues that I'm talking about with accuracy was just leading receivers too much. With time, that will get better. And also, you I don't know if you guys can notice it watching from home. I mean, I, I definitely feel like I've noticed it compared to last year and this year. Anthony Richardson looks a bit differently. He looks a bit different mechanically. Um, I, I don't necessarily think mechanically he looks super better or worse. I think it looks different. And I think that he's I, – I think he played better because of it. So I, I'm – Perfectly fine with that. Um, there were some issues that need to be corrected, though, like specifically that one play where he rolled to the left, kind of waited back a little bit, and he was just kind of lo- like drifting back. And then he was getting pressured, and he kind of just just threw it into traffic, dropped interception. Is very lucky that that ball was not intercepted because that would have been a killer play. But, again, that, that's nitpicking. He was 17 of 24. That being said – I am curious as to why the offense was so limited throwing the ball. I don't know if it was coaches not being comfortable with Anthony Richardson throwing downfield at will. I don't think that's what it is, but I am saying I I don't know if it's that. I don't know if they were like, hey, we're just going to go based on the look that Utah is giving us is going to determine the, the play that we're coming out with. Or if they were just like, hey, Utah's DBs, they can't handle us if we just get catch and run. I don't know what it was. I would like to know why the offense was so limited. It seems like every time Anthony Richardson dropped back, it was just him 
throwing a quick screen or a quick slant or whatever it was. It was never really him taking a deep shot. And that irritates me. You know, Anthony Richardson is someone where I think I've been more critical of Anthony Richardson and his passing, obviously, specifically, than most members in Gator media, most members that are Gator Nation, whatever you want to call it. I think I've been more critical of Anthony Richardson than most have been. But at the same time, he's that kind of quarterback where you have to let him throw the ball deep. That's what he wants to do. That's what he excels at most of the time. He does have great touch on those deep passes. You have to give him the opportunity to throw the ball. I don't know what it was, but week one, game one, don't care. It it was just the reins were too tight there, and he was not given the opportunities to throw the deep ball. And it's not even like, oh, Utah's pass rush was so dominant. The Florida Gators offensive line was very good. They, they were. They were very good. There were, I believe, uh, eight pressures from Utah's side, or Anthony Richardson was pressured eight times. None of the offensive linemen got attributed with those pressures, according to Pro Football Focus, which means most of those uh, pressures came unblocked, which, yes, the offensive line needs to work at that. I don't know if it's, identif- if it's uh, identifying blitzers that's the issue or adjusting to disguise blitzes or whatever it was that that needs to be fixed but that's not that's not the thing i want to harp on i'm, I'm just saying anthony Richardson needs to be given the freedom to throw the ball deep we saw the freedom to tuck it and run whenever he wanted that 45 yard run he did a great job running the ball but as we get deeper into the season you need to be able to throw the ball you're not going to be able to do that against georgia utah and florida they're pretty pretty similar stylistically in what they wanted to do florida just did it better it's as simple as that uh, also, Anthony Richardson did not throw a single pass to the left of the hashes. Soon, teams will start to pick up on that, and they will be more aggressive from that side because they know that Florida won't make you pay there. And also, I want to talk about this. It's not necessarily something that the coaches did. Uh, it's actually a, a very good thing for Anthony Richardson and the coaches. And if you're a Gators fan, unless you're this specific Gators fan, I kept hearing this one guy in the game, kept he kept yelling, Keep it to Anthony Richardson. Every, every time we saw that option, he'd yell, keep it, keep it, keep it. N- shut up. <laughs> just, just shut up. You don't know what you're talking about and what you're telling him to do is the wrong thing. The way the option works is that if that DN, whichever, or whichever player you're reading, really, if he stands up, you hand that ball off. Utah was respecting Anthony Richardson's mobility and they were standing up and not rushing in. They were letting Anthony Richardson hand that ball off because you would rather have the rest of your defense focus on that running back and have that one guy just sacrifice and just going, okay, then we're, we're going to make him hand the ball off, and that's what we're going to do here. Another thing, and Anthony Richardson, by the way, made the right read at, at least the huge majority of the time. If he did keep it just because you wanted him to keep it, Florida loses that game. So shut your mouth next time you want to talk about that. How about that? Another takeaway, fumbles cannot happen. That is absolutely something that cannot happen. I get it. Florida recovered one of those. Trevor Etienne fumbled and recovered his own fumble. Cannot happen. Florida, turning the ball over will kill you. Cannot happen. I know. It's not a turnover. Doesn't matter. You cannot fumble the ball twice in a game. You can't even blame the rain. It rained like an hour and a half before kickoff. It kept going till about half an hour before kickoff, and then it pretty much stopped. No. Inexcusable. Offensive line-wise, I mentioned, you know, not being able to pick up those 
uh, extra blitzers or just because like, Utah didn't rush a ton. They, they didn't blitz super often. So it's not like it was like, well, Florida had five O-line and then Utah was sending six people. That's not really what happened. So that's not it. It had to be identifying blitzes as an issue. It had to be not properly calling out who you're supposed to be blocking. And it had to be something like that. Kingsley at Guacoon, also this could be the issue. Kingsley at Guacoon and Osiris Torrance were the only offensive linemen to play every snap at their position. So nobody played center except Kingsley. Nobody played right guard except Osiris Torrance. Everybody else was rotating. Perhaps that's what leads to those issues of we miss an assignment blocking. Also important to note that Kingsley at center, Osiris Torrance at right guard, the majority of Florida carries went to that area. And obviously not more than half of the carries went to that area, but the area they chose to run to the most was in between Kingsley and Osiris Torrance. So clearly that seemed pretty deliberate to me. I think that's a very good indicator as to how Florida thinks about this offensive line, specifically Kingsley and Osiris as a duo. Uh, I will say also I was a bit surprised to see Trevor Etienne in the passing game as much as he was involved. I, I don't have an issue with it. That's not a bad thing. It's just an observation that I'm making where I genuinely, honestly, you could say it's a great thing. I didn't think he'd be so caught up in the passing part of the playbook so early on because he's not someone who's been here for six months or anything like that. Like He's only been here for a couple. So him being so caught up in the playbook, that's a good sign for Florida fans if we're talking about the future of this program. And, I mean, Trevor Etienne is clearly going to be involved in that future. We're about to talk about the Florida defense against the Utah offense. But first, a quick word from Built Bar. Because if you haven't tried Built Bar Puffs yet, just know that you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys. But guess what to that too? There's a new flavor. Delicious, indulgent cookie dough covered in chocolate. And golly, they've done it again. If you've listened to this show before, you know that I have a hardcore sweet tooth. That's just a fact. And I've especially talked about the cookie dough chunk puffs. Love them. 160 calories, 15 grams of protein, one five, 15 grams of protein in them. You better sprint to go get a box for you, your friends, your family, whoever it is your favorite podcast host. Go to built.com, use promo code locked on 15 and get 15% off. That's a new code locked on 15 to get 15% off of your next order with built or builtbar.com. Thanks again for making Locked Nine Gators your first listen of the day. We are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. Here's the thing when we're talking about Florida Gators defense versus Utah offense now. The defense answered the call. They did. There were still a lot of mistakes on the defensive side of the ball, whether it was on the players, whether that falls on the players, or whether that falls on the coaching staff, or obviously it's likely going to be a combination of them. Florida's defense answered the call for the most part. And by that, I mean Tavian Thomas, Utah's running back. Last year, Tavian Thomas eight up after contact. He was an incredibly difficult runner to bring down, whether it was his physical style, whether it was him being just straight up elusive. He was incredibly difficult to tackle. Florida kept him in check. When they got hands on him, they swarmed to the ball. That's something that we didn't see from the Gators last year. And I'll tell you this, I'm going to get adjusted for this real quick because I hope there's Utah fans watching this because I know that I saw Utah fans 
wherever we were in Gainesville. I know that I've seen Utah fans in the comments for months now talking about Florida Gators run defense going, oh, they're not built to stop the run. They're not built to get against the O-line. They're not built to get in the backfield. They're not built to tackle Tavian Thomas. And here's the thing. They did it just that damn thing. The Gators kept Tavian Thomas in check for the most part, especially when you look at after the after contact. Tavian Thomas averaged almost four yards per carry after contact in 2021. The Gators held him to under two and a half yards per carry after contact. That's fantastic. That is swarming physical defense. You didn't see that last year because the coaching staff didn't want them to do it. That wasn't what they preached. That wasn't what they practiced. Here, it was different. That's exactly what we told you would happen. We said the personnel is different. The coaching style is different. The scheme is different. It's going to change. Next time we speak, open your ears and shut your mouth so you know exactly what's happening. Okay? Now, moving on from that, I wanted to let you know how I felt about that one. Moving on from that, Amari Bernie. Um, I've said it before. I was like, I take back every negative thing I've said about him. It sucked. Um, I, I ate crow with that one, but I will say, game ceiling interception for Amari Bernie was fantastic. That was a fantastic play. Reading Cam Rising's eyes the entire time. He was the hook defender on that. Reading Cam Rising's eyes the entire time was a fantastic approach to that. I realized people were talking about, uh, I think it was a running back in the back of the end zone. They're like, oh, like, like he was wide open. No, like Amari Bernie was looking at Cam Rising's eyes. He was not wide open. If Cam Rising would have looked at the running back, could have looked Amari Bernie off. Also, Rashad Torrance was right there. And when you see the running back break free in the back of the end zone, that's because Cam Rising is getting ready to throw that ball. Rashad Torrance, I believe, has a safety on him and started coming down towards the ball. So I don't want to hear that. I will also say, though, Amari Bernie, as great as that last play was, as great as your game-winning, I wouldn't even say game-sealing, game-winning interception was, not a great day in coverage. Uh, I'll say that. And here's the thing. I don't even blame Amari Bernie for it because Amari Bernie is a sixth-year senior. We've seen him plenty. We know what he's great at. We know what he's not great at. We know what he's improved at now, and, and the coaching staff has known what he's improved at. I blame the coaching staff for putting him in situations that he should not have been in. Oftentimes you hear about, you know, building your team to your scheme and that's perfectly fine to do. That's a great approach. You also hear great coaches build your scheme around the players. That's also fine. They're two different schools there, two different principles, but they both work. I'm fine with that. What I don't like is Amari Bernie's strength is not playing man coverage. That's what it is. And he played what, by my eyes, looked like quite a good bit of man coverage. Like, especially against Brant Keithy, that one play where he went right over the seam. Amari Bernie was in coverage. Man coverage didn't work out. He's, he's just not great at it. In zone, instincts and IQ are primary. They help a ton. That's where Amari Bernie's good. He should not have been in man coverage. So the completion, I think... Uh, I think Cam Rising went five for seven when throwing in Amari Bernie's direction. And most of the time, obviously found success. That's not Amari Bernie's fault. I'm not even saying he's bad. I'm just saying that's not his strength. And he was asked to do it 
way too often. So I, I think that's more on the coaching staff than anything else. You know, Amari Bernie's been praised for his instincts, for his IQ, for his intelligence, whatever you want to say. But in man, way more difficult. No surprise that he struggled there. He shouldn't have been doing that. Also, I disagree with putting a linebacker on both Brent Keith and Brent Keithy and Dalton Kincaid. Bad idea. Simple as that. Five missed tackles on the night. Not great, but it's better than last year. So we'll take that improvement. We know this coaching staff put in a lot of effort into developing tackling skills and working on those mechanics and that technique. And obviously it paid off quite a bit. Coverage was interesting. Again, I like I just mentioned, Brent Keith, he, I mean, he shouldn't have been covered by Amari Bernie. He shouldn't have been covered by Ventrell Miller. Donald Kincaid shouldn't have been covered by Ventrell Miller or Amari Bernie. It should have been one of the safeties on one of the tight ends and a Dewan Black, Shamar James, a more athletic linebacker and a more skilled man cover linebacker on one of the tight ends. Um, but again, with Dewan Black especially, I don't even know what's going on there. Uh, I'll, I'll try to figure out what's happening, but he played one snap, one snap on defense. Um, so we'll see what it is. Pass rush. I get it. A lot of people have been like, oh, Utah's offensive line's holding. There's holding on almost every play. You could look at any plays, watch 10 plays in a row, and you can be like, there's holding there that wasn't called. There's holding there that wasn't called. There's holding there that wasn't called. Then they'll call holding you. Like That's the same thing that happened on plays two and three. So I don't want to hear that complaint. The pass rush is way too inconsistent. That could be because of, you know, I forgot who it was that tweeted at me. I'm sorry that I forgot who it was, but they were like, hey, what, or maybe they even DM me, but they were like, hey, like what happened in that second half? Like why, why did, why did Utah's deep offense look so much better in that second half? I don't know if it was players for Florida being gassed. I don't know if it was the substitutions because of players being gassed or substitutions just because that's how they were set up rotationally. But I think it has to do more with the offensive line of Utah kind of getting their stride and Florida having depth players in that were kind of just getting them cooked. That's not an excuse either. That's football. That's what roster building is all about. That's why Billy Napier is like, hey, it's a talent acquisition business because you need depth there. Uh, but the pass rush throughout the night, if you ask me, it was just way too inconsistent. Got to see you pick it up. Got to see you clean it up. And I feel like I spent a lot of this offseason going, Brenton Cox Jr. needs to wake up. He needs to try harder. He needs to show why he's why he should be an earlier draft pick. And, and I think that that's why he came back to school is because of that motor question. That's that question everybody had for him. I will say this. Saturday night was arguably the best game I've ever seen Brenton Cox Jr. play. Uh, specifically in run defense, I think he was phenomenal. I, I think he was phenomenal. I will say that. The defense really stepped up at the end of the drive, considering how rough they were for most of the second half. But Brenton Cox Jr. as well stepped up. And also, I know I tweeted this yesterday, Brenton Cox Jr., Jervon Dexter, always expected to lead this team in pressures. Ventra Miller is tied with them at two. Ventra Miller blitzed twice, and he got pressure on both of those rushes. So there's that. We're about to talk about just just Gainesville this past weekend in general because it was it, honestly it was one of the wildest experiences of my life. But first, a quick word from our sponsors to wrap up today's show. We're talking about Gainesville this weekend. I mean, the crowd, oh, <laughs> the crowd was electric. It was incredible. Ninety thousand seven hundred ninety nine. 
fans, the largest crowd in an opening night in Florida Gators history that was remarkable to be there for. It was insane. I remember I was sitting there and I was just like, oh my goodness, like this is the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. It was ridiculously packed. And it's like, I've been in atmospheres before. That was like nothing else. It was just incredible. The crowd was jumping the entire night. I will say things were more respectful than I anticipated. I was like, okay, pregame, Utah fans were so nice the entire, like the days leading up to the game, Utah fans were incredibly nice. They were, they were very uh, talkative, but not like disrespectfully talkative. They were just like, hey, like, what do you think of the game? Um, it, it was just incredible. Um, so so there was that, and it was great during the game. Also, I'm, I don't care. I'm literally spending the rest of the show giving just shout-outs to people because it was just incredible. Huge shout out to Social at Midtown in Gainesville. Thursday night and Friday night had shows there. It, it was just, it was incredible. And I even said this leading up to the shows. I was like, look, I don't necessarily, like, I, like I'm not stressing about the show. I realize I'm doing it at a, at a bar where music's playing, people are yelling, this is going on, it's game week, it, it's electrifying there. Afterwards and even before, it was it was ridiculously cool. Uh, it was it was just so cool to be around. I loved it so much. Special special shout out to Zach Cohen. He's been on the show before. Obviously, like you guys have heard him. He was here. I think it was New Year's Eve. Was when I had COVID. Couldn't talk. I I, I can't talk much right now, but I'm doing it. I don't care. It's worth it. Um, but I had COVID. I couldn't talk really. Zach Cohen came in. He did a segment for me. He's been on the show before. He's awesome. I did the draft stream with him as well. In, incredible guy. Um, I spent quite a bit with him. It was awesome. He's dope. Go follow him. Catch him on TikTok. He, he is just such a cool man. Uh, a, a few fans or listeners, whatever you want to call them, came out. It was awesome. Uh, William, who I met at social. I don't know if you're listening still, but first listener in that whole trip, they came up to me, said, what's up? Chatted me up. And that was, that was just awesome. That was just a real moment. Um, the cameraman, I'm so sorry I forgot your name, but if you were listening, hit me up in the comments or on Twitter. Um, I'm so sorry that I forgot your name, but I'm sharing this story where he came up to me and I think it was like the first quarter. He's working the game. He, he had a, a giant camera on his shoulder and he came up to me and he was like, hey man, like I listen to Lockdown Gators. I love it. First listen every day. It was one of the coolest moments of my life to be just watching a game. I got front row tickets for it. I was just like, I'm going to be here and just enjoy this experience. And it was awesome. Uh, James and Carlton were the coolest father-son duo that I've ever met. Um, that that was just, just awesome. Um, I ran into them like 45 times. It was multiple days that I was just out and ran into them. And it was incredibly cool. I, I loved it so much. Um, yeah, and then we ended up sitting five rows apart from each other. It was ridiculous. The dude in his car that stopped me on game day morning and he's just been, and he's like, yeah, I've been listening for over a year. If you've been listening to this for over a year, thank you so much. Um, that is just ridiculous. Like that, that there have been people that have listened to this show for so long. And it's just like, I appreciate that so much. Um, the people just walking around campus that I'd run into and were so incredibly nice members of the band who have been just just so awesome for a very long time now like I, I appreciate that again a ton um that has been just incredibly awesome also make sure to follow 
just on, I mean, we'll say, we'll say Instagram here. Um, we'll say Instagram that you should make sure to follow one second. I'm, I want to get it perfectly right. I want to make sure that, uh, that I, I don't screw it up. So I'm, I'm going to say this and I'm just going to look it up. You're just going to have to deal with it for a second. And, and that's, that is, you'll, you'll deal with that. And that's how we'll say it. <laughs> so you're just going to deal with that. Uh, it's, it's UF Gator Band on Instagram. They're also on TikTok. They're phenomenal people. Uh, met a few of them. They're awesome. Um, that, that's, is what it is. Chris Morgan and Nick, the Utah fans who I, I, Nick, I can't pronounce your last name. Loved you guys. They were incredibly nice. Justin Treese and his wife are awesome. Utah fan with, with beads in his beard and his wife. They were incredibly cool. Um, I realized that I'm kind of like going long winded here and I want to make that, I want to make it very clear. Like people know, I, I don't live in Gainesville. I'm, I'm not a, I'm not, I don't live in the state of Florida and it's just like for me to be kind of like an outsider and come in and, and be so accepted and have so many open people would be so cool. Love you all. I cannot wait to go back to Gainesville. It's going to be incredible. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day we are available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll be back tomorrow. We're talking Florida, Utah. It's Tape Tuesday tomorrow for Lockdown Gators. I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports and Giants Country of SI.com. And I will see you all tomorrow. <laughs>